Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 9. If you need a message guide, raise your hand. Anybody need a message guide? All right. Exodus chapter 9. We've been talking about the Passover. And specifically, we've been going through uh, the events leading up to the Passover. Remember we said in the, the, the very first uh, of this series, in the very first message in talking about the purpose of God, God had a plan, He had a purpose, He had a plot in mind. Not, it didn't begin when the children of Israel started being mistreated in Egypt. It, it is an eternal plot, an eternal plan, an eternal purpose. And we said this, that by the very nature, the very essence of what that word eternal means, that means it didn't have a beginning. Because if it was in Christ, if it was in God, Eternally, that means it didn't start somewhere one day. I know that's hard for our minds to comprehend. But this is who our God is. And this is who God declared Himself to be to Moses. So the purpose of God, to redeem a people. This is why Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God slain before. The people of God. We see that God made a distinction in and when we go through, and we're not going to look in depth today in the ten plagues, um, but, but we're going to talk just a little bit about them. Because, uh, But when we look at these plagues, we'll see that God, even in the plagues, God says, I will make a distinction between my people and the Egyptians. And so many of the plagues that came upon the Egyptians, those same plagues did not touch the children of Israel or their livestock or or their things, or even in the land that they lived in. And so God has a people, and that people is a, a new creation in Christ. This is what the New Testament tells us. God has created in Himself, Christ has created in Himself one new man. We're called a new creation, a holy people, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That word peculiar doesn't mean that we're just strange. It means that we are God's very own special, prized, purchased possession. He purchased us for His very own, for His own specific pleasure and purpose, and for no other reason except God wanted to do that. That's what that word peculiar means. And the promise of God, where is the promise fulfilled? Every promise is fulfilled in Christ. And we see that God is giving us a picture here through this story of the Exodus that's, that's speaking of real events that really happened. There was a real Passover they ate real unleavened bread. They sacrificed real lambs. They were in real houses with real blood painted on their doorposts. But I'm telling you what, all of that spoke of something that would ultimately, those were shadows that would ultimately be fulfilled in reality in Christ. The promise is fulfilled. The promise of God is fulfilled in Christ. Today we're going to talk about the power of God. And we're going to start this by talking about the power of God in His name. Exodus 9.16. We'll start there. Now this scripture I'm quoting here in Exodus 9.16. This is what God declares before he begins the last series of plagues. It's, it's interesting. There were, there were ten plagues, 
and you can divide nine of the ten into parts of three. And then the tenth was the last plague, which was uh, death of the firstborn. But you can, for instance, we'll just, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I, I don't want to, the point of this is not to look at plagues. The point of this is to, to see beyond the plagues and to see what God is declaring. But for instance, the first plague was blood, the second plague was frogs, and the third plague was lice. The first two plagues, in each of these sets of three, there's three sets of three, and in each of these sets, God warned Pharaoh of the first two. He warned him of the blood, he warned him of the frogs, but when it came time for that third plague, for the lice, it just came without any warning to him. And then when you get to the next set of plagues, and besides that, God declared something specific, and we'll look at that in just a moment. So we're going to look at these plagues a little bit in in that regard and see what what was God declaring. But let's read the scripture in in Exodus chapter 9, verse 16. But indeed, for this purpose, this is what God is declaring to Moses. But indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up. Or Moses is declaring this to Pharaoh, because this is what God is telling Moses to tell Pharaoh And so, this is what's being communicated. For this purpose, I have raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. The power of God in His name. Do you you know, church, that there is power in the name of God? What is the name of God that has been given to us? Whose name has been given to us? The name of Jesus the name of the only begotten Son of God. That is whose name, that's the name that's been given to us. This is the name by which we are known to the Father. We're known in Christ. But the power of God's name didn't start with Jesus. We see that Jesus simply is, He is the same God that, that was declared to Moses. Christ is the same God that was declared to Pharaoh. Christ is the same God. He is the same almighty God. So His name holds the promise of an eternal purpose for an eternal people, redeemed by the power of the eternal God. And this is the name that we are to declare. When Jesus said at the end of Matthew's Gospel, at the end of all the Gospels actually, The Great Commission is recorded in all the Gospels and even in the book of Acts. Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, it's recorded there, He says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and do what? Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What is that name? Well, that name is Jesus, but... But God reveals this name to Moses. He says, remember in in, in Exodus 6, He says, You go and tell the children of Israel that the Lord God has sent you. You tell Pharaoh that the Lord God has sent you. He said, Even Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did not know me by that name. They knew me as El Shaddai, but they did not know me as Jehovah, as Yahweh. 
That word we said, that name means the eternal self-existent one. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to describe in, in the English language. It's a hard concept to grasp. It, it speaks of something so deep and so profound and so powerful that it's hard for us to comprehend in our natural brains. God has said, this is who I am. This is who I am, the eternal self-existent one. I didn't have a beginning. I don't have an end. No one plugged me in and started me up. I am. I am. This is why he says, who, who do I say sent me? He said, you say, I am. Because if you, if you put anything else on the end of that, you've just limited God. I am what? I am. It's open-ended because he is. He is the eternal self-existent one. This is the name. This is the God we are to declare. When Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, this is the God we are declaring. This is the name that has given us the authority to go. This is the authority that we go in, in the name of the Lord. This is the name that we are to declare. The name of the eternal self-existent God whose power is not in his acts. Now, we like to read Exodus, and we like to get all caught up in all the plagues and what happened. And Man, how did God make all those frogs come out of the river? And how did he turn the dust into to, 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 to lice or flies? How did he make all that water turn to blood? Man, if only God would do that again, people would believe. No, they won't. Why do we believe that? The children of Israel didn't even believe. Look what they saw. They didn't believe. And we say today, man, if I would have been there in the desert, I would have believed. If I would have seen all that, no, you wouldn't have, because you're no different than they are. We all have the same fallen nature. Jesus, if you'll just send me back, God, if you'll just send me back and, and, or send someone from the dead to tell my brothers to warn them because they're going to end up right where I am, oh, Lazarus says. They're cruel and greedy and power hungry just like I was. If you would just send someone back from the dead, they would believe. Jesus said, even if someone rose from the dead, they're still not going to believe because if they didn't believe Moses and the prophets, they're not going to believe even one who would come back from the dead. Here we are 2,000 years later. Jesus Christ has come back from the dead. He is the risen Savior. And we still have the same crisis of unbelief. It's not about the acts of God. The power of God is not found in His acts, but in who He is. He is Lord. He is the eternal, self-existent One who is the very essence and definition of power. He doesn't have to do a miracle. He doesn't have to flip a switch. He doesn't have to do anything to prove anything to anybody. He is. This is who He is. And this is the point. His children must come to know Him for who He is. Not based on what He does or what He doesn't do, but based on who He is. And this is what God was telling the children of Israel. This is what God is telling us today. So the power of God is so much more than God's ability to do miraculous things like plagues or parting seas or pillars of fire by, by a night in uh, pillars of cloud by day. He's so much more than that. But yet, 
We want to define him and justify him and prove him and believe in him based on all of those things. So here is the Passover lamb of God standing before the religious leaders of his day. And just like their fathers here in Egypt, if you are the Messiah, show us a sign like Moses did. You got a staff you can turn into a snake or you got some water you can turn into blood. Well, he did turn water into wine, didn't he? But they still didn't believe. He said, no, he said, an adulterous and wicked generation seeks after a sign. No sign is going to be given to you except the sign of Jonah. When I come out of that grave, when I come out of that tomb, having defeated hell, death, sin, the grave, you won't even believe then because your hearts are hard. But that's the only sign you're going to get. That's what Jesus told them. The power of God is more than just His ability. We walk, think about this church. We walk around today as believers and we say, man, where is the power of God? And here we are standing on the earth He created. We stand at night on our porches in our yards and we look up at the beautiful sky and we say, man, look at the beauty of creation. The very earth we're standing on testifies it is the manifestation of His power. Everything around us testifies of His power. But I'm going to tell you, His power is much greater than those things. Still greater. As His children, His power lives in us. And we live in Him. Paul said it this way, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's power. That that is power. Do we discern it? God has shown His power that His name would be declared in all the earth. Today that name is revealed in His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, He is the Lord. Acts 10.36 Jesus Christ. Here is Peter declaring to the council in Jerusalem, Hey, these Gentiles, they received the same... Jesus, we were, they received the same Spirit. I perceive... This Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. Jew and Gentile, yes, but even beyond that, He is Lord. He is the eternal, self-existent One. He is Lord. He is Lord of all. The power of God in that name, Lord. The power of God is revealed in Christ. Acts 4.12, here is the famous sermon, and here's the declaration to the children of Israel there, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This was declared to the Jews in Jerusalem. Shortly after the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God fell and they said, look, this is Jesus. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which man must be saved. Paul says it this way in Philippians 2.9, Therefore God also has highly exalted Him and given Him the name which is above 
every name. Now, we read that scripture. You probably have that hanging on your refrigerator somewhere. But I want you to stop and think about the power of that statement right there. Paul the Apostle is saying, this Jew of Jews is saying, it has been given to Jesus. His is the name above every name. Does that leave any name without... Is there any name that falls outside of that purview? No. What about that name that was declared by Moses to the children of Israel? You tell them, this is my name. Paul says... It's been given to Jesus. His is the name above every name. Do we have competing names here? No, they're one and the same. You go and tell the children of Israel that the Lord God, Yahweh, Jehovah, the self-existent one, they've never known me by this name before, but now they will know me. This is the name that shall be declared in all the earth. Paul says it has been given to Jesus to possess the name above every name. This is the name of Jesus. This is the name by which we have been named. This is the name that we have been given authority to go forth in and to declare in all the earth the name above all names. There is no other name. That Name, that power is revealed in Christ. This is what God is showing the children of Israel. He is speaking of, he, He's trying to show them the very same thing Father Abraham saw by faith. But, but now understand this, church. God took a physical people out of a physical Egypt to give them a physical land. And He did this to reveal to them and all of His children a spiritual truth that is ultimately and eternally fulfilled in Christ on this physical earth. Now, when I was youth pastor, I I can remember one day, one of my dear students, Brother Ron, you know who it was? It was your your daughter, Rhonda. A little Rhonda came to me. Rhonda said, Pastor Jeff, I have a question. And she's a teenager. And she said, it had been bothering her. She said, you know, I, I just can't help but... She said, if we're just going to float around on clouds for eternity, isn't that going to get boring? <laughs> she said, I just don't think I can do that. That just... I just don't see how we're not going to get bored if we're just going to float around on clouds in heaven for all eternity, worshiping Jesus. How many times can you sing a song? And... Now, we laugh, but do you know how many people have that? That is their understanding of heaven. That is their understanding of eternity. We're going to float around on clouds all day long with our little wings. Well, I'm going to tell you what, that doesn't sound good to me. I don't want to do that. I'll just tell you right now, that's not what I want to do. And praise God, that's not what the Bible says we're going to do. Number one, we're not going to spend eternity in the clouds. The Bible says Jesus is going to reign on the earth. We're not going to be in some make-believe place that's not real and tangible. We're going to reign for eternity on this earth. 
with Christ. Why did God promise Israel a real physical land? Because this is a real physical earth that Jesus is going to reign on. We need to begin to understand these things, church. We've bought into all kinds of foolishness. We, we see pictures of little cherubs, you know, like, like little babies with wings. And we've created theologies from Hallmark and precious moments and all kinds of stuff. Instead of letting the scripture define what's going on here. We got to get back to the scripture. Listen. God did that really in reality. This is a historical event that took place 3,500 years ago. But the point was speaking of something much greater, a reality in Christ that is a real reality. We really are going to rule and reign with Him on a physical earth. This is, and Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise That's why I said last week, He is our land flowing with milk and honey. He is the rest God has brought us into. He is. And and all that we're going to experience one day is made possible because He is. Because of what He has already done. And because of what God has eternally determined. He eternally determined that Jesus would be the Lamb of God slain. I don't understand that, but that's what the Bible says. So I I don't have to understand it. I just need to believe it. And I take great comfort in it. Aren't you glad that you don't have a God that's just reacting to your mistakes? You know, Bruce Almighty was brought up today in in the Bible study. How many of y'all have ever seen Bruce Almighty? Aren't you glad that's not God? But, But... we have a Bruce Almighty theology a lot of times. We're thinking God's up there trying to keep track of everything that, oh man, well I wasn't, you aren't supposed to do that now because you did that, then, uh-uh. God's not up there reacting to all of our mistakes. God's got an eternal plan and purpose. I don't understand it. I don't know how all that works, but it does. How do you know that, Pastor Jeff? Because that's exactly what the scripture declares. This is who Jesus is. I take great comfort and peace in who God is. And that's why I'm saying the power of God is not defined by His acts. I mean, He is the Creator, right? He's not bound by nature or natural laws. But I'm telling you what, the power we're talking about, the power in His name, the power of who He is is much greater than whether He can turn water to blood or make flies or lice or frogs or hail as big as basketballs. That's nothing for God. I mean, come on, church. If God can create the universe, the very planet we're standing on, you think a basketball-sized chunk of ice is anything difficult for him? No, it's not. Those things do not define the power of God. What God has done in redemption, that defines the power of God. So when we look at the Exodus, we focus on the miraculous acts of God, though demonstrations of His power Those were never meant to be the focus. The focus of God's power is not His ability to transcend nature and natural law in an old creation. The focus of God's power is revealed in Christ. It's revealed in Christ. It is the power to save us through a new creation. The focus of God's power revealed in Christ 
is the power to save us through a new creation, making us partakers of His divine nature. The purpose of all God did in Egypt was more than just proving His power to Pharaoh and his magicians. God manifests His power for the purpose of bringing His eternal people into His eternal rest in Christ to make His name known through His eternal gospel. So if you look at these plagues just real quickly here, for instance, if you look in Exodus chapter 7, verse 5, before the first plague of blood, here's what God declares. And the Egyptians shall know I am. Actually, that word am is not in there. The, the Egyptians shall know I, the Lord. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I am the eternal self-existent one. Then you have plagues of blood, plagues of frogs, plagues of lice. And then before the fourth plague, God sends Moses, chapter 8, verse 22, And in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms, by the way, that we most... Many people believe that swarms of flies, but it's just a word that means swarms. Actually, the ancient Hebrews believed it was swarms of wild animals. Doesn't really matter, swarms of flies, swarms of wild animals. It, it, it just it says, I will, that no swarms shall be there in order that you may know, now here's what he declares this next, next time, that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. So he says before the first three plagues that they will know I am the Lord. Next three plagues, he said that they will know I am the Lord in the midst of the land. They go through those three plagues and then before the last three, before we get to the plague of death of the firstborn, before the hailstones come, here's what God says. For at this time I will send all my plagues on your very heart and on your servants and on your people that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. I am the Lord. I am the Lord in the midst of the land. There is none like me. This is what God is declaring. He used those acts, but, but his power was much greater than those acts of hail, of pestilence, of, of any of that, of locust, of darkness. He manifests his power for the purpose of bringing his eternal people into his eternal rest in Christ, to make his name known through his eternal gospel it's not an accident that today and every Sunday we take bread and grape juice. We take bread and a cup and we proclaim the body and the blood of Christ, which takes us back, which speaks of the very first Passover lamb that was ever partaken of 3,500 years ago in Egypt, the night before the children of Israel left the land of Egypt to make their journey to their promised land. 
That's not an accident. When God said, when He says this, that my name would be declared in all the earth, I submit to you that He had this very gathering in mind when He declared that. And he wasn't just talking about those physical people at that physical time. God knew that what He was doing would facilitate and bring about a declaration of His name in all the earth to fulfill even what the prophet declared, that the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The knowledge of the glory of God. Not just the glory of God, but the knowledge of the glory of God. Where is the glory of God known? I, I took you there before a couple of weeks ago, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. This is where we come to know the glory of God. Paul says, God has shown a light in your heart, in the darkness of your heart, just like he did in the first creation. He has shown a light in your heart that you might know the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When God says that my name would be declared in all the earth, God knew that it would be His Son that was being declared. Because who, what name has been given to His Son? The name which is above every name. This is the name the Father has given the Son. This is the name we are declaring today. This is where the knowledge of the glory of God is known. It is known in Christ. It is not known anywhere else. Turn all the water you want into blood. Make all the locusts eat all the trees you want to make them eat. That is not the glory of God. That is not the power of God. The glory and the power of God is nowhere else except in Jesus Christ. That's it. And I know for much of the church today, unfortunately, that sounds just a little too boring. Because we want a little more fireworks than that, Pastor Jeff. You mean we don't get any locusts, no pestilence, no flies, no lice, no frogs, no blood? I mean, how boring. All we get is Jesus? Salvation? I've got that down, man. I already know about all that. Give me something else. See, that's the problem. We're no different than the children of Israel in Egypt or those in Jerusalem that stood in the face of Jesus and said, give us a sign, Jesus. We hear what you're saying, but you know, there's got to be something more than what, what, what we hear you saying. Can't you show us something? He said, yeah, I'm showing you myself right here. You search the scriptures looking for eternal life, but they testify of me, he says. This is the whole point of what the, he the writer of Hebrews is writing in the book of Hebrews. Don't fall into the same mistake of doubt and unbelief and hardness of heart that your fathers did in the wilderness coming out of Egypt. Don't, don't make the same mistake. You're turning from Jesus, going back to that system of sacrifice? Uh, your heart is betraying itself. So the power of God is revealed in His name. The power of God is revealed in Christ. The power of God is revealed in the gospel. The gospel is the power of God to salvation, Paul said in Romans 1.16. For the point of God's power is salvation. This is the point of God's power. It is salvation. We must be careful not to minimize or trivialize God's salvation in seeking the miraculous. Listen, I believe in the miraculous. I've been a recipient of, I've had the honor of, of God using me to, to work miraculously to, to bring healing to people. But I'm telling you what, we need to be careful 
that we don't get caught up in seeking the miraculous and we begin to minimize or trivialize the true power of what, God ha- of what He has done. In seeking a demonstration of the miraculous, we can become blind to the fact that we are, listen to me, church, we can become blind to the fact that we are creations of living in and by new nature the greatest display of God's power through the miracle and power of a new birth. Child of God, if you are truly born again today, you are the greatest display of the power of God, bar none, that can exist in creation. There's not any overriding of the natural laws or or natural things God could make a... I, I mean, we get so caught up in the wrong thing and we're blind to the true power of what God has done. The point of the plagues was not just so God could flex His muscle. The whole point of everything God has done is to bring us to salvation, to redeem for Himself a people. We are, listen to me church, you are in Christ the greatest display of the power of God, bar none. There is no greater display of His power than you as a born-again believer. We keep looking for the miraculous in the old creation, and God says old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's like still worshiping shadows when the substance has come. Do you know that the Jews today are worshiping shadows? And the substance has come, and they have totally ignored the substance for the sake of the shadow. Well, before we point a finger at the Jews, we better look at ourselves because we're doing the very same thing. We're chasing shadows and God says the substance has come. I'm still caught up in the old creation wanting God to do all these neat tricks in the old creation. God says, hey, the power of what I have done is a new creation. Do we understand, church, that if we're in Christ, we are a new creation? This is what Paul said to the Galatians. Circumcision doesn't matter Anything, what matters is a new creation. Are you a new creation? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God can do anything He wants, anytime He wants to do it. But I'm telling you what, the power, the true power of what God has done is in taking you from the old and putting you into the new, of taking you from old and making you new, of taking your old, cold, stony heart and giving you a new heart because He's given you a new nature. You have become partakers of the divine nature. In Christ, in Christ, we must discern a new creation, that we are the greatest manifestation of the power of God in this earth, bar none. Do you realize, do you know who Jesus Christ himself said was the greatest prophet, the greatest man born of woman? Do you know who Jesus said that that was? John the Baptist. Do you know that there is no recorded miracle that John the Baptist did? We want to equate greatness with the number of miracles that we do. Jesus didn't equate greatness with the number of miracles that John the Baptist did. He said John the Baptist was the greatest. Why was John the Baptist the greatest? Because he was the one that prepared the way for the Messiah. 
Do you know what Jesus says about us? John the Baptist was the greatest, but he says, but I tell you this, those who are in the kingdom, the least in the kingdom is greater yet than even John the Baptist. How is that possible? Because we have something that John the Baptist could only speak of, point to, we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. John did not have Christ in him. John had the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon him, upon his ministry, but John could only speak of what we have come to possess in the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, this guy is the greatest prophet ever born. But I tell you, those who are least in the kingdom are greater yet. Do you discern, church, do you discern the greatness that God by His grace has brought us into? Do you discern the power that you possess as a new creation, that you are the greatest display of the greatest power that God has ever manifested and ever will manifest in creation. There will be nothing greater than what God has already done in saving you. Nothing. Nothing. What about when he renovates the earth? Big deal. What is that compared to bringing you into his son? and giving you his own nature. That is nothing. The earth isn't going to possess the nature of God. But as a child of God, born again in Christ, you have become a partaker of his divine nature. Oh God, I pray that we would get a revelation of that and stop chasing shadows, stop living in an old creation, trying to get God to do tricks for us, that we would begin to discern the reality of the power that we possess and that we manifest as a new creation in Christ Jesus. This is what God is declaring in His Word. This is what God is making known through everything in His Word leading up to Christ. This is what we need to begin to see. We're not trying to go back to the old. Well, if we could just get Elijah's anointing. Why on God's green earth would you want Elijah's anointing when you have Christ living in you, the hope of glory? I mean, I, I, I say that because I've said in meetings, listening to prophets say, we're going to pray and the church is going to get the anointing of Elijah back. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want the anointing of Elijah back. And if Elijah was here, he'd tell you, you heretic, why do you want my anointing? That's idolatry. You have Christ. Why do you want what I spoke of, what I couldn't have, what I desired more than anything? You have it. Wake up, church. We need to begin to discern what we have been given in Jesus Christ. This is why the gospel is called good news. It's good news. It really is. Hallelujah. The gospel is the power of God to that effect. It is the gospel that takes me from old to new. It is the gospel that takes me out of death and brings me into life. Only the gospel has the power to do that. And this is why we are commanded to preach the gospel. Not self-help, but the gospel. There is a difference. We don't need to help men. Men need to be transformed, and only the gospel can transform them. The gospel will help them. I don't need to feel better in my pit of despair. 
dead in my sin. I don't, I don't need that. That's what drug addicts and alcoholics do. I need to be taken out of my pit of despair, out of my sin, and healed and restored and transformed. That's what the gospel will do. That's what the gospel will do. That's why God gave it to us. That's why God did everything He did to reveal, this is my plan, this is my purpose. I do make a distinction between my children and the Egyptians. Not because He just hated Egyptians, but because God was telling us something. I have my children. I have my people. Who are they? Those who, by faith, respond to my gospel. is why we must we must not only preach but you need to begin to grasp what God has done there is no miracle on earth or heaven in the body or outside the body that compares to the miracle of the new birth and the new creation that is created in Christ bringing us from old to new that same spirit that initiated that new creation in raising Christ from the dead dwells in all believers How do you know that, Pastor Jeff? Because that's what the Scripture says. If you are in Christ, the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead dwells in you. That same Spirit that initiated the new creation in raising Christ from the dead, that same Spirit dwells in all believers. This is the promise and the power of God made known by His eternal gospel. This is what we wonder at. This is what we stand in awe of. But if we don't, if we don't grasp what God has done through Jesus Christ, if we don't grasp the eternal purpose of God in all that He has done, we don't stand in wonder. We just think it's another thing, or it's just a ticket to heaven, or it's just, you know, well, I won't have to suffer and burn in hell for eternity. Boy, you know, I'm not real excited about heaven. Sounds kind of boring to me, but better than the alternative. No. You've missed the whole point of everything. We need to get a bigger, a bigger view of God. God needs to become bigger in our minds. He's way too small. What God has done, who He is, eternally, is so much bigger than what we can think or imagine. But it's okay. You don't have to be able to understand Him. You don't have to be able to comprehend it all. But isn't it wonderful that God gives us the privilege to know Him? That He has given us His Spirit, and His Spirit reveals truth to us. That God, by His Spirit, can open the blind eyes of my heart, the hardness of my heart, my mind. He can open it up to the reality of who Christ is. Don't don't grow complacent. In your faith, church. Don't think, well, you know, I'm, one day I'm going to go to heaven, so I'm, I'm good to go. You know, I've got my uh, insurance policy paid up. Jesus paid it all. Don't become complacent in your faith. Live. Provoke yourself to live and experience the wonder of who God is. Find His wonder. Find it. Search for it. Seek after it. It's beyond our human comprehension. But by His Spirit, He allows us to partake of that, to know that, 
Amen. Have you ever eaten something? This is why the Scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you ever eaten something you say, I'm not real hungry. I'll just have a little bite of that. Man, I do this all the time. Man, that is good. What is that? Well, I think I'll take a little plate of that, you know. Get a little plate. Eat a little plate. Man, oh, that is so good. I think I'll have a little bit more. Before you know it, you know, I'm sitting there, oh, why did I eat all that? Oh, gosh. Taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good. He is good, church. The news that he has for us is good news. It's good news. Don't settle for the shallow. Don't settle for the old. Look for and embrace the power of the new that you have become in Christ and understand who you are. You are, child of God, the greatest demonstration of God's power that will ever exist in all creation. There is none greater. Amen? Let's stand. I'm going to dismiss you in prayer. I know there's a